2: Welcome on into the Baseball Insiders on this beautiful Monday. I am Adam Weiner, joined as always by fansited MLB insider Robert Murray to talk about Shohei Otani's relationship with New Balance CEO Jim Davis and Haim Bloom's dismissal. But first and foremost, we have a special guest with us today, Fabian Ardaya of The Athletic, who covers the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are careening towards a pretty exciting postseason, even though the Atlanta Braves are in the way is here with us today. Uh, Fabian, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us.
3: I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Uh, Robert, how are you doing?
4: I'm great. I'm here with Mr. Adam Weiner, but also Fabian Ardaya, who just so happens to be my best friend. So, you know, it's going to be a good show when that happens. Sources say. So yeah, Sources tell The Athletic over there. We, we love to hear it.
2: Well there you go. It's always a good show and it starts with everybody just saying hello to each other and uh we're going to get into it uh quickly right off the top. We've got some good uh good questions locked and loaded. Reminder, this episode is sponsored by DraftKings. MLB fans, if you have not yet signed up for DraftKings, if you're a new user, you can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps. Create an account with us, deposit, then wager $5 or more on any sport Whether your first wager wins or loses, you will still receive the $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code BASEBALLINSIDER at signup. The best part is using that code BASEBALLINSIDER gets you the bonus and supports the podcast. If you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use that code BASEBALLINSIDER to maximize our first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus physically present legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And join us on the Baseball Insiders Discord If you're not already there, if you want to chat with Robert and I between shows, if you have questions, if you want to participate in interviews like this one with Fabian Ardaya, uh, please join us there. All you have to do is become a YouTube member. Great. Now that all that housekeeping is out of the way, let's talk Turkey. Let's talk Los Angeles Dodgers. And let's talk Shohei Otani's market a little bit first, because Fabian, we sort of been joking on this show that every episode come mid-November is going to be the Shohei Otani episode. But when we have... Someone embedded with the Dodgers, we at least have to talk about it a little bit. Uh, His market has begun to expand a bit, especially in the wake of the UCL injury news. Uh, But from a Dodgers perspective, what is your current read on their optimism, pessimism about where they fit in that growing market?
3: I mean, I think they know that they're going to be involved. I think they've sort of been chasing him since the time he was in high school. Obviously, that goes back uh, different regimes, different front offices, um, but they've had... Their eye on him for quite some time, and they recognize the talent he is. They know very well. They position themselves to be able to spend this winter partially, so they can go attack the top end of the market. And he is the top end of the market. Obviously, you uh, don't know what Shohei Otani's interests are. We don't know what he's looking for in free agency. So that sort of is the biggest uh, sort of hurdle in every any sort of optimism you can sort of have in any team's pursuit of him. But obviously, they recognize how good of a player he is. They have the resources. And they have the infrastructure to have a winner around him. It's just a matter of if if his interests sort of align with what the Dodgers want to do and sort of how aggressively the Dodgers pursue that, just considering some of the other stuff they have to address this winter.
4: Yeah, and, and Fobbs is like the thing that I had heard going into this year was that the Dodgers, they coveted Otani. But like, do you think the UCL injury impacts things at all for them?
3: I don't think it necessarily sort of detracts from any interest they have, but it's certainly another factor to consider when you look at the rest of this rotation, because the rest of this rotation for next year, it's a lot of guys who are rookies for this year, and Walker Buehler entering walk, entering opening day next year. Clayton Kershaw's a free agent. Uh, obviously, we don't know what the future holds for Julio Urias, but he's on paid administrative leave. He's also a free agent at year's end, so it's not like they're going to bring him back anyways. Uh, Lance Lynn obviously has a club option for next year for $18 million. I don't know how likely it is they pick that up, uh, but obviously it's another factor to consider. And other than that, it's just a bunch of rookies and Walker Buehler who's coming off his second Tommy John surgery because we don't know what Dustin May is going to look like next year when he comes back around midseason. That's the optimistic uh, return date. And then Tony Gonsolin's out for next year because of Tommy John. So it's a lot of hurdles for the Dodgers pitching-wise. They probably have to address that in some way, this free agency. And Shohei Otani not being able to pitch next year obviously would hurt that.
4: Oh, for sure. And, and you you mentioned you mentioned this pitching staff, Fobbs. They obviously can't address it like the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. How do you think, or do you think they're going to be able to get that or use that rotation to get past the Braves or the other NL contenders? Or is that going to be like a big issue for them in the postseason, you think?
3: It's definitely something we have to wait and see. And it's a huge hurdle. Like they definitely don't have the established pieces like the Braves do. They don't have Spencer Strider, Max Free, Charlie Morton. They could just throw out there um and even then they'll have like kyle wright and guys like that and they can just throw at the problem and sort of make a game four matchup even more tricky but like, they have bobby miller uh clinton kershaw is probably gonna be in the postseason rotation even though he sort of said this week that he doesn't feel like he's locked up the spot yet we'll see what lance land looks like but i don't think any of these guys can be used as traditional starters in, in october like we're gonna have a lot of Guys used for bulk innings, three, four inning appearances, one time through the order. We're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to see a lot of these young guys, whether it be like an Emmett Sheehan, maybe a Gavin Stone can earn his way onto the postseason roster, Ryan Pepio. Guys with intriguing stuff who haven't quite put it all together as full-fledged starters, but maybe if you give them one time through the order uh, and these guys haven't seen them, it can sort of help them get by. Over a five-game series, I can sort of see it. Uh, Over a seven-game series against a team as good as the Braves, it's definitely a major hurdle, and they're going to have to really rely on this offense to get going for them to even make that a series if they get that far.
2: It's a big-time October for members of the Ryan Yarbrough fan club. Uh, You're going to have a lot of uh, of watch. Yarbrough-related watch parties uh, are going to really crop up all around the country. Um, But uh, keeping that in mind, This team is where they are because of Mookie Betts, because of Freddie Freeman, of course. But there are a lot of names that I think nationally aren't getting a lot of shine because people just sort of look up and go, oh, Dodgers won the West again. Like, that makes sense. Um, But a lot of underrated players have contributed in a major way to this team, having sort of a stunning degree of success this year. Which players would you sort of highlight if someone asked, like, All right, how did we get, I'm looking at the rotation, it's all rookies. Like, how did we get here? Who stands out to you?
3: I think if you switch over to the offensive side, like Jason Hayward's like the telltale sort of one, like it's like, oh, the Dodgers did it again type thing. Because I mean, they brought him in on a minor league deal and he's having the best OPS of his career right now. And obviously part of it's just because of how he's used, like he is almost exclusively facing right-handed pitching and that's worked. They've done some stuff with his swing that's worked. Uh, and it's a very clear cut role, and he does it really well. I think that's sort of what the Dodgers offense is lo- mostly looked like outside of their top five or six hitters. It's a lot of platooning, a lot of trying to find the right matchups. And that's sort of what October is going to look like for them. But it's going to be a lot of, all right, if you bring in the lefty midway through the game, we're going to line change, put Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez, Amon Rosario in the game. And then you can sort of have your lineup where against righties, where you have Muki Betts at second base and you have all left handed hitters in the outfield between david Peralta, to jason hayward and james outman so i think the ability to have that kind of matchups it's a little bit different from last year's team obviously last year's team was a juggernaut uh and you sort of had like there's seven or eight guys that you kind of penciled in every single day now you're gonna have a lot more matchups a lot more variability and then you can have a lot more of these guys who maybe in a random spot you get a random big swing out of a jason hayward you get a big swing out of uh, ahmed rosario guys that uh, you wouldn't expect. Like, obviously, it's a lot of it's going to be relying on Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. Uh, you're going to see a lot more out of Will Smith, who had a little bit of a slow second ha- half after being an all star in the first half. And then JD Martinez obviously hasn't played a lot in the second half just because of some injury stuff, but he swung a hot battle a year long.
4: Yeah, it's crazy, too. I remember when the Dodgers signed Jason Hayward in the offseason, I tweeted it. I had so many different people just clowning the signing. And I don't know, it, you always got to wonder with the Dodgers what do they know? What do they see? What can they do with the guy? I think. With Hayward, that's like the perfect example of that. Um, but like, um, switching gears for a second, Fobs, you wrote a story the other day in the Athletic that I thought was pretty interesting, and you talked to Clayton Kershaw, and he, as you said earlier, he did not, get, he doesn't doesn't know if he's earned himself a spot in their postseason rotation, and he's said that he feels like a shell of himself. I'm wondering, what do you think that means for him after this season? Like, do you think, like. Could end up being done, or what do you think? Here,
3: I think he has to take some time obviously after the season ends to evaluate things, see where he's at health wise. I think the biggest thing that sort of was underlined behind his comments was like not feeling like he is 100% physically. Uh, everyone around the Dodgers, including Kershaw himself, will say he physically feels fine, but obviously, he's still dealing with some remnants of that shoulder injury that cost him some time in the middle of the season. The velocity. When he first came off the IL, it was pretty much what it was before, but it's dropped drastically since then. Uh, he hasn't thrown a pitch above 90 miles an hour in the last two starts. The command hasn't quite been there, although it was a little bit better in his last start in Seattle. But I think that's the biggest thing. Like he doesn't, he has to make sure that his stuff and where he's at physically right now is good enough to contend and compete in October. He's going to be on the postseason roster as long as he's healthy enough to pitch. That's the biggest thing. But at the end of the season, obviously, there's a lot of different factors where he can take a step back, health-wise. Uh, and sort of evaluate what he wants to do going forward. I think he sort of prefers it that way, uh, just the last few years going year-to-year year, contract-wise, year-to-year year, uh, trying to make a decision on where he wants to be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. He, he sort of said it himself, like, health doesn't really matter at this point. Performance does. And he's sort of just going with what he's got at this point.
2: Yeah, the, the last couple years, the discourse was sort of, uh, you know, turned from as he took all these one-year contracts – turn from like Clayton Kershaw Dodger for life to like Clayton Kershaw Dodger or Ranger you know maybe he's looking hometown now it does kind of feel like he has some difficult decisions to make at the end of the season uh gut feeling just as it stands do you think there is any chance he pitches for another major league team or is it kind of he'll keep riding it out see where he is health-wise and decide whether or not he wants to come back to L.A.
3: I think there is obviously a chance. Like, if you sort of look at it, like I wrote about the summer, like uh, he has a great relationship with Chris Young, and I think it goes beyond baseball. I think it goes. Everyone sort of will tie that. It's like, oh, that's why he's gonna sign in Texas. That he wouldn't be the reason why he signs in Texas. It would be sort of an added bonus, uh, just being able to be alongside someone who was an offseason catch partner or someone who has a good relationship with. But at the other day, I think no matter what, LA is gonna get the first call. So I think if he comes back next year, I would be surprised if it's not in a Dodger uniform.
4: Yeah, so Fob's. I'll end this on a on a very random note, uh, but I, I gotta ask, what is it like being my friend and also spending spring training together when we were teammates at the Athletic? I know we got a lot of stories there, so feel free to feel feel free to share. I guess.
3: I mean, it's an experience that's for sure. <laughs> you realize uh, how sheltered uh, you are very quickly when I have to show you an avocado for the first time when you're that is true. in your mid twenties, like. But it's a positive experience. It's an experience, but it's a positive experience.
4: You know, I'll, I'll take that. I was, I'm, I'm glad. I was wondering if you're going to mention our grocery trip. Uh,
3: yeah. Oh well, yeah. that's just yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll tell the story here, I guess. Okay. Um, we were, we went grocery shopping when we first went into the Airbnb um, that we were staying at for spring training and and i was wearing shorts that were relatively loose and as we were carrying groceries in we got in the kitchen and my my shorts may have fallen to my ankles um so that was that was kind of tough and fabian was there to just laugh at me and
3: well uh, i thought you were joking when you first said that it was going to happen so i just i just didn't believe it and then yeah, well, it happened and i was what happened shocked. yeah
4: that uh, i wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy that was uh that was that was a bad time but hey it was a great time hanging out with you pal we'll we'll have to do that again for spring training well now that i'm living in arizona my couch is here, and yes, I don't know.
3: I, I do owe you one though for being the one to wake me up the morning that uh, Mike Trout signed his contract extension. Uh, oh being dude, that an was Angels bad. beat writer for my second year on the beat. That was certainly a stressful morning, but I probably yeah. would have slept through it if you hadn't woke me up. So thank you.
4: Yeah, because yeah, because that was uh, that was an off day for you. You were sleeping, and all of a sudden I'm on my phone. I'm scrolling, I see the Jeff Pass and break it. And I'm like, Fobs, wake up! Trout just signed, and you're like, what? Yeah. Yeah, that
3: was a rare late start spring training day, and uh, certainly a busy day. So
4: goodness me! Well, it's it's what I'm here to do. I'm here to wake you up when uh, when crazy stuff like that happens. So uh, what uh, I wouldn't have it any other way.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, that's the kind of stuff you can only get when Fabian joins the Baseball Insiders. Fabian, we appreciate it. Uh, Hope to talk to you again as this Dodgers playoff run uh continues hopefully continues into a clash with the braves i think that's what everybody uh, in america is looking for and uh man you're hopefully this went better than bert's pants falling down on day one (laughs) of a month-long spring training trip
3: yeah it certainly did so thank you for having
4: me thank you (laughs) i appreciate you buddy you are uh you're a gentleman and a scholar thank you sir
3: wow what a guy
2: That was uh, Bobby and of The Athletic, a good exeter, too. I was starting to panic. I was like, oh, man, maybe I'm going to have to tell him how to use Restream on the air. But nope, absolutely not. A king among men and a fantastic job
0: by him and great job by us, I feel
2: like. Let's pat ourselves on the back.
4: As good as it gets, that is uh, he was my best or one of my best friends in life, and uh, yeah, I'm very lucky I met him when I was at the athletic. So, shout out to Fobbs and his and his lovely fiance, Kendall. She is uh, she's a gem.
2: And he saw the trout contract from the beginning to maybe the end of his tenure in Los Angeles this offseason. No, we we talked about that last week, (laughs) and that's uh, it's not gonna happen, we don't think.
4: I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I would, I would, I think there's a better shot that I date Taylor Swift than that happens.
2: Um, but <laughs> you guess... said it on this show that the Taylor Swift thing enough that like, I wonder if it's beginning to filter back to her camp. That's what, you know, Travis Kelsey just like shot his shot and it it may or may not have worked. So well, I don't know. Manifestation is a real thing. When it yeah, comes she's to got, Taylor Swift. She's got her
4: choice between Travis Kelsey and Burt. So um, yeah, Taylor Swift, the choice is yours.
2: Only one of you's pants are already down, so there you go.
4: Um, Adam <laughs> yeah, said, <absolutely> Not me, <laughs> Jeez, so yeah. easy. I know yeah, it's no, well off the rails. that's what happens when Fabian gets here.
2: Well, speaking of getting caught with your pants down, high and bloom and the Boston Red Sox. Uh, this <laughs> tenure, I, I, look, I don't know, and I think we could have a we could do like seven hours on high and bloom, a very complex executive for sure uh you watched uh, he was fired last week during a otherwise meaningless four game set against the new york Yankees at fenway park odd timing i certainly had to check and see if it was a parody pass i was like why did i set up a twitter notification for a jeff pass and parody account uh nope they actually just did this with like 15 games to go for whatever reason i am split on bloom i think Ownership obviously, it would appear dictated the Mookie Bet situation a little bit, but they didn't necessarily dictate the return, which has been a an eternal sticking point. There, I don't. Uh, I think he has rebuilt the farm system effectively. I think some of his maneuvers at the margins have also been quite effective. Kyle Schwarber helped propel the 2021 Red Sox to a surprise ALCS berth, but then he kind of tore that team down. And I think at the end of the day. I think there might have been a bright future for Bloom. I don't think you could write him off as a leader or a top executive, but he did take a team that stumbled into victory in 2021 and then decide to reset it, get rid of Hunter Renfro, go back into bridge year mode. And for me, this deadline, keeping James Paxton, keeping every asset may have sealed his fate, especially because the hammer came down with the season still in progress. But I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this one because Somebody could easily talk me into he needed three more years and 2023 was close to the manifestation of his plan. Someone could also talk me into, he bungled the Mookie Betts trade, the most important move in recent franchise history post Babe Ruth and set them on a course where the best they could hope for was kind of being stuck in the mud. So I could be sold a bill of goods either way.
4: Yeah. So there's a bunch of different thoughts that I have on this and I I get the Red Sox's decision to fire Heimbloom. Um, like, is he a good executive? Yes. Is he, I, I don't necessarily know if he's a good or if he's the ideal person for a chief baseball officer role. And I say that, like, I think he's a really good GM, but something that, um, something that I've heard from different teams or different agents is that he's got, he's, he's indecisive and he's a little hesitant to pull the trigger on a bunch of different moves and he's also hesitant to go in one certain direction. And we've seen that at the trade deadline um, where they've basically stood pat, or they've just been, they've sold a little bit. And then they've also added a little bit too. And they did not just commit to one sort of direction. And that's frustrated a lot of people that they've worked with. Um, but that being said, I think Bloom, he's a very, very talented executive. And I think the ideal role for him might've been the setup that he had in Tampa Bay, uh, where he was working alongside Eric Neander. And, uh, he, they had two voices there and, and he's, he didn't have to be like the lead guy making the decisions. And I think that could end up being something that intrigues him going forward because he will, he will, he will certainly get another job. Um, I think his resume certainly warrants that, but, um, he was also dealt a really tough hand in Boston too. Like he was basically given orders to trade Mookie bets. If they couldn't get an extension, which obviously they didn't get an extension done there. They traded him. They had to move a bunch of different guys off the payroll to clear payroll space. And he, he executed that, but the, they ultimately did not get to a point of contention that ownership wanted. And I don't necessarily know if that's fair just because they like for years, Earlier, like in the last decade or so, they ranked in the top three uh, in payroll, and now they rank closer to 10th, like 10th to 15th in that range. Um, so they have cut payroll and expected them to still stay in contention. So um, like that's a long-winded way of saying that Bloom is a talented executive. Uh, he was dealt a tough hand, but he's also a flawed executive. And I think in Boston he learned a lot, and he can take that into a different space or a different team. Uh, and hopefully in a better situation where he's got another guy to work alongside with uh, that can make him better.
2: Yeah. The, the pass and tweet hammers at home. A lot of Red Sox fans want to take victory laps on the farm system rankings and going from 18th to top 10. And, and that's, that's all well and good. Great. But at a certain point you do have to use that farm system to fuel a contender. You have to pick and choose the players who you believe have long-term futures in Boston, and use some of the rest to help build up the big league roster. And it seems like maybe they didn't trust Bloom to be decisive enough to take that next step. Additionally, fans might view it as a point of pride winning without a high payroll, but as Jeff Passon pointed out the four Red Sox world series titles, the Red Sox ranked second, second, third and first in major league baseball in payroll this year, 11th. And they keep ducking under that CBT threshold by instruction of ownership, presumably. I don't think you get under that threshold by accident. I don't think Heim Bloom looks up at the end of the day and goes, oh, yeah, oh, look at the time, like checking his watch, like, oh, I'm under the CBT threshold again. That's great. Like, <laughs> that was that was a mandate, and uh, and he passed it, and and uh, the team is now sort of exactly what you'd expect out of a team that's 11th in payroll. They're somewhat middling, um, and, and that's the reality that Boston fans have had to reckon with. A lot of pros this year for the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. an equal amount of cons and now they're under 500 and in last place
4: yeah and and that's exactly the situation they find themselves in and with i'll tell you with the with the payroll situation that they have um i and like they're they want to stay under the tax i wonder if that ends up deterring some potential ta- some potential candidates uh for this job um that being said boston is an extremely intriguing place for any executive. I mean, obviously a very storied franchise, um, one of the most iconic in sports, uh, but there are some red flags with it. And I wonder if that could deter some of the potential candidates like a James Click, um, like a Mike Hazen, um, like, I don't know, Amiel Sade, uh, who's, I, I think that's somebody we should be keeping an eye on for this job. It's not necessarily sourced information there, but... Sade so spent over a decade in Boston. Currently, an assistant general manager with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he has interviewed for other general manager jobs and is thought of very highly in league circles. And I think if there's any organization that knows Sade, it is it is Boston, and he knows Boston. He knows the Red Sox. I think there's a lot of fits there, or a lot like that's a really good fit. And I wonder if that's something that the team does explore.
2: Yeah, I see a lot of hazen in the chat of uh, Jason Parker talking about that. They were they were speaking on the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast last night um, as my snakes, by the way, clawed into the second wildcard spot. So, hell yeah. Um, I already got paid out on the win total, a cool $5 in my pocket that I've Off been blown on. I've been blown on many other bets, but the big one is to, <laughs> uh, to make the playoffs, so hopefully they do. Um, But they were talking about Hazen still being under contract and the the potential for Arizona to respond to this Boston speculation by just giving him the big lump sum payment he has earned and extending him beyond 2024. What are the mechanics of Boston pursuing Mike Hazen at this point? Because as I understood, he is still under contract through next year.
4: Yeah, exactly. And that is something it's kind of like what was the case with uh, David Stearns and the Mets for a couple of years is the Mets wanted to talk to Stearns, but the Brewers denied permission. And if um, if Hazen is under contract in uh, in Arizona, then uh, they would I believe they would have to get permission uh, from the Diamondbacks unless it's like a promotion to like a a president of baseball operations. Then I think uh, that is something they can do uh, because it's a promotion. I believe that's the case um that sounds right doesn't it adam yeah yeah and um i i I did talk to somebody close to mike hazen about this the other day and just thought or asked if it was a possibility that person thought it was unlikely um didn't rule it out but i think it's more unlikely than anything because he he also he really likes it in arizona too
2: it is beyond crazy to me you know the mechanics of of the blooms. you could debate bloom until the cows come home but the fact that he is since the Red Sox broke the curse, he is the only Red Sox lead executive who will not win a World Series during his tenure. And he was sort of touted as the one who was like the long-term solution. Like, okay, we've been through the fire since Theo Epstein. We churned through Charrington and Dombrowski uh, it all over the place and deserves more credit for winning 108 games and the World Series and making the playoffs three years in a row. And oh, the last thing I say on my deathbed might be Dave Dombrowski was a good executive in Boston, not bad based on all the Red Sox fans I've seen on Twitter who are like, Bloom was, he had to dig out of Dombrowski's hole. It's like the hole that won 108 games in the world series. Yeah. That's a a solid, a solid hole. Um, oh, it's yeah. true. He overloaded the payroll, but he did the damn job. And, and now somehow Bloom, the long-term solution is the only one who's going to walk away from that gig without a ring.
4: No, exactly. And it's, it's, crazy and i'll I'll also i'm gonna answer uh, michael's question here about the possibility of aj preller being let go i'm gonna keep this short and sweet um i don't expect preller to go um and like i I think ownership really likes preller and they're loyal to him and i think he stays nothing i don't think anything is official with bob melvin i don't expect him to return though i think that is going to be a managerial opening this winter I'll, that's one to keep an eye on
2: any uh any other managerial openings in your in your hip pocket i, I feel like we're i'm so locked in on the races that i haven't thought about the offseason but there there have to be some like Marmol's coming back yep. i think i think boone is probably coming back I, I wonder where the other high profile names come from
4: i think the other job that's going to open is milwaukee um i i think the council's not going to get fired they really like him like they that's somebody that Obviously, they never fire him. Um, I, I, I don't think he's going to be back. That is my gut feeling entering what is it, September 18th, is that Kansas will not be back in Milwaukee.
2: Well, there it is. Um, yeah, Jake uh, Jake O'Donnell in the comments. I, I don't want to get into Red Sox fandom semantics. I, I know that Heim Bloom did not, I know that Dave Dombrowski was not fired directly after the 2018 World Series. I know he did some offseason contract damage and a little bit of fan surface. Right. Who didn't want Nathan Ivaldi back at that price after his heroic postseason? You know, there is there is that disease of trying to bring back everyone who just rode the duck boat parade, et cetera. And I, I get that it wasn't the best offseason for Dave Dombrowski. I just think Red Sox have, to have already put 2016, 17 and 18 in the rearview mirror and said, oh, I can't believe Dombrowski torched us. There are a lot of good times there. too.
4: Yeah. And all, wait, were you talking to Evaldi from this this past offseason? season?
2: No, I I was thinking like after the 18 playoffs, when they traded for him and brought him back at that sort of high price and and eventually, you know, the the Evaldi thing happens and he gets injured routinely. Um, This offseason too, I mean, you certainly could have made the argument he should have been re-signed by Bloom.
4: Yeah, I will. (laughs) There's more to that story from this past offseason. I I can't get into those details, but there is much more to that story. Um, I'll leave it at that
2: yeah well there you go i i also think uh lumped (laughs) in with this is kind of the idea that like xander bogarts is on a disaster contract and and that's not a negative in bloom's column uh i mean he he is on a crazy contract that lasts through 2033 no one is disputing that i think somehow lost in that discussion is the fact that he he is still a good player having a good season 115 ops plus nearly four b war and uh Mm -hmm. 15 bombs and and a 276 average it's a very typical bogarts year uh that if bloom had managed to maybe get him on the six or seven year extension the offseason prior you would still be lording this as the red sox have their captain he's a solid shortstop and probably will be for the duration of the deal it's not exactly a win for bloom that he no longer has bogarts on the roster it's a win for bloom that he didn't outbid the padres but that's kind of the bare minimum there
4: yeah, because the Padres they they all pit the Red Sox, but like a hundred million for Bogarts. Yeah. like that was. I remember see, like I was next to Heyman um, when 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 he broke that. It was Heyman and I were hanging out in the lobby of the winter meetings, and uh, I remember the, the details being told to him, and I looked. And I'm like, that that no that that seemed like I thought it was a, I thought it was like a somebody was misspeaking. Um, no, they weren't misspeaking. That was that was wild. Um, Padres wanted Bogarts, they got him, but man, did they outbid the Red Sox for him. Holy smokes.
2: The comment section is definitely buzzing about what this means for the offseason. And that ties into, you know, has ownership decided they want to spend again and don't trust Bloom? Or is ownership just being reactive? Uh, This does tie into Peter Gammons talking about Shohei Otani loving the New Balance CEO, Jim Davis, and being interested in Boston. Um, look, I hear the Red Sox fan arguments. they don't want a DH. they don't want someone who can't pitch until 2025. but if there's a kernel of truth to this, Boston has to investigate to the fullest extent of the Otani market.
4: Oh, 100. like if if a player of Otani caliber is interested in joining your team, you have to explore it. And um, obviously they've cleared they've cleared payroll space in in recent years, and you would think a team in that market space, would um, would have the room to add Otani. But that being said, has ownership showed anything recently to suggest that they're going to be willing to go for 500 plus million bucks for a guy like Otani? I'm a little, I don't know. I'm just, maybe like Otani is a special case. So that certainly could end up being, that could end up changing their thinking there. Um, my guess right now is that an Otani to Boston scenario is unlikely. Um I don't think that's something that we can necessarily. I don't I think there's going to be plenty of other teams that are going to be more firmly involved. Um but the absolutely if that report is true they need to investigate it to the fullest fullest extent um because Otani's a franchise authoring player. And yeah, he's going to be expensive, but we're talking Shohei of freaking Otani And in Boston. Oh my gosh, that's I mean that's as good as it gets
2: around the pesky pole, he could accidentally hit 15 extra home runs. Like he could miss hit balls and roll them around that little right field wall.
4: Oh, absolutely. One, 100%. By the way, there's, we're getting questions in the chat here uh, about the possibility of Theo Epstein going back to Boston. Nope. That is, that is not happening. Um, Yeah, that's, that's not happening.
2: That's one of the funny ones where like Sam Kennedy, it was one of the first things he said. He was like, I hear the Theo stuff nope but that is not going to stop everybody from still saying the theo stuff because uh, people spot i think people spotted him in boston a couple weeks ago you're going to see a lot of the uh you ever see that meme whenever uh someone is a Red Sox or, or Patriots or Celtics rumor and they say they are spotted at Logan airport. It's that picture of the guy with the dreads. I think you're going to see Theo Epstein in that picture a couple times this offseason.
4: Oh, 100%. You know, that's exactly, that's one of my favorite things actually on, on what I was about to say, Twitter, but X
2: on um, X. Yeah. On, on our beloved app X.
4: Yeah. That's, I'm not kidding you. That's probably one of my favorite running, running jokes on Twitter. That is freaking hilarious. Or Bloom. X.
2: Yes, yeah, on I on keep... X. I, there are no running jokes on Twitter. It's just running jokes on X. Yeah, unbelievable. Boy, my mind. Yes, thanks, Elon. Yeah, cool guy. Uh, well, we will keep uh keep watch on on and Bloom's next move. Maybe he is uh gonna head to the Dodgers under Andrew Friedman. Maybe he does go back to Tampa. I think there is a soft landing for him in Major League Baseball, and certainly one that still does allow him to employ his skills. Uh, That's it for today's show. Leandro Espinal uh, talking about Trout being potentially traded. We touched on that earlier and in last week's episode. Recommend revisiting those, but the short answer is no, we do not think that that will be a thing that occurs. Um, Robert's been pretty firm on that, and uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated if that changes. But again, please keep watching. Uh, we thank everybody for joining us. We thank Fabian Ardaya from The Athletic for joining us. If you were not here for the top of the show, he talked Dodgers, talked Otani from their perspective, and talked a little bit about grocery shopping with the one and only Robert Murray. <laughs> that kind of content that you cannot get anywhere. You simply can't get it anywhere else uh, except here and potentially in the Discord. Uh, if you are not yet in the Baseball Insiders Discord, the off season is fast approaching. If you don't want to be in the Discord in September, Sure, I get it. It's a fun place to be. You can ask Robert and I questions between shows. But if you're waiting to join the Discord until October, November, December, well, that is right around the corner. Off season premium content headed your way both on the show and between shows. There's no better time to become a member of the YouTube channel and join us there. Again, the episode sponsored by DraftKings, the code baseball insider. For sign up, if you're a new user who are is 21 plus. Physically present legal gambling states. If you're someone who gambles responsibly and if you want to learn more, please check the episode description. It's right there on the screen. Again, thanks to producer Sean Daly for popping that fella back on there. Robert Murray, whirlwind of a show. Hell of a week. I was in uh, Knoxville uh, driving to Bristol, Tennessee, watching NASCAR from the pit on Thursday. Sorry, I couldn't go live. Uh, that was, that was a weird one. I'll probably never do that again, but I'm, I'm, I am glad I did it one time.
4: Yeah. I'll tell you the, uh, I did not realize I was co-hosting a podcast with a, uh, a pit crew member in NASCAR. Now I'm going to basically call you a pit guy. So, um, yeah. How was that by the way, besides crazy? Dude,
2: well, it really did make me want to, I didn't know how I'd feel. It did make me want to stay for the, uh, the real show. Cause I don't, I didn't know how it worked, but Thursday night was uh, like there's like a minor league basically. So Thursday night, it's like the true amateurs go, then the truck series go. And an expert told me the trucks are like high A. Then Thursday, th- then Friday, it was triple A, it was the Xfinity series, and then the cup on Saturday, which is like the big dogs. So I was there for the trucks. Uh, I was on the you know, on the track basically. I watched a wreck, I watched that car get dragged into the center. I got to watch him work on it. I drank some Montucky cold snacks, a great beer, if you haven't had it, with my friends from Montucky. And uh, yeah, like thousands of people camping out in RVs for the weekend. I would have liked to have seen uh, the real thing. But I also think it is important to note that racing in the minor league race Thursday at 6 p.m., Frankie Moon is from Malcolm in the Middle. He's he's in the tournament. He no. He races, and everybody treats it like it's normal. So that absolutely blew my mind.
4: That's freaking cool. I, would, I, I have not heard of Malcolm in the middle in freaking over over a decade, almost said a century, but almost a decade.
2: It's- yeah. Yeah, well, it might be between a decade and a century. He, he wrecked and he lost in this race, and uh, everybody was just like, ah, oh, it's a tough break for Frankie Muniz. And I was like, I'm sorry, literally Frankie Muniz races? Uh, I, I was the only one who thought it was weird, but still.
4: Yeah, no, I, you know what? Life is full of surprises, I guess, and that's that's definitely one of them. By the way, the Giants—it was a good comeback by your guys. That was
2: good comeback by my guys. Uh, well, it, they, the season would have been over if that had not happened, and then oh, it did. Yeah. Uh, so, shout out to Josh Dobbs. Josh Dots found Zach Ertz, your boy, a bunch of times. James Conner, the running game was lit, and then for whatever reason, Daniel Jones <laughs> turned it on at halftime. Jalen Hyatt might be a difference maker moving forward uh and if the giants get a little bit of luck maybe they can even sneak into a wild card spot behind your birds
4: go birds baby that's all i gotta say sean daly go birds baby i know we're saying that live in the pod but i gotta say it again two and zero, baby monday night football coming up so thursday night
2: football without saquon barkley for the new york giants probably against the 49ers that's gonna be real bad but uh, heartening, inspiring win yesterday, and uh, I had a good time. Uh, after having a really, really bad time in the first half and going out to get sweet green in a frustrated haze at halftime. So, uh, Giants football, baby. Um, that is it for this show. Thanks for sticking it out with us, hanging out. Uh, truly a hangout. Go birds on the bottom ticker. Uh, you already know it. That's the benefit All you right. get from having Sean Daly as your producer. Uh, Sean, we thank you, as always, for uh, taking us through the show. We thank Fabian. Uh, Robert, I thank you, of course. Uh, thanks for hooking it up. Thanks for getting this so seamlessly on the air, and uh, thanks for being a, a dominant force in in the baseball media.
4: Hey, right back at you, my friend. i Appreciate you. Appreciate everybody for tuning in and uh, comment. And comment section was pretty active today. Sean Daly, we appreciate you too. Adam, I'll see you Thursday, buddy.
2: See you Thursday. We're back in the air like normal, same schedule. I will not be ducking out to another NASCAR race in the middle of Tennessee, I'll be here. I'll be doing my job, my due diligence, and we will be talking baseball again for you on Thursday, 3.30 Eastern time. Appreciate the comment section. Appreciate our YouTube members, and we will see everybody there live on the air. That we will. See everybody.